So welcome to officially now the December Fireside Chat. First up, if y'all don't know, we do a Fireside Chat on the first Friday of every single month. So we've done a lot of these now. Um, I'm curious, Amelia, do you have a favorite Fireside Chat that we've done that you want to recommend people go watch after this? I don't know. I did like the pricing one, honestly. <laughs> I know it's one we haven't. Um, I, I feel like pricing isn't what we talk about a lot, but I really enjoyed doing that one. Pricing is, it's both like, it, it's its challenging in, in two ways, like emotionally, but then like also like just the idea of what is a normal price for these types of things. I recommend go watching it too. And we also have a subscription pricing calculator on the Scriptions for Authors website into the resource tab. We basically have like a ton of cool things in the resource tab, which also speaking of the Scriptions for Authors website, I promise I'm going to get into this presentation, but we've been releasing a lot of different things recently. Um, and we had an award show that is a thing that is happening. And we also have a grant, Storytellers of the World grant. So you can find all that in the Scriptions for Authors website at subscriptionsforauthors.com. So I recommend going there and exploring if you want to get more subscription insights. But today we're going to talk about author personas. So really quick overview. Um, it's, a, it's a personality quiz ultimately. Um, and the goal is to help you start and grow your subscription. And the biggest thing that I've like realized and Amelia's realized, we've, we both have had conversations about this many, many times is like when someone thinks about subscriptions, the question we get almost always is like, well, I'm not a serial fiction author or I'm not a senior romance author or I don't want to offer early access or I don't want to do bonus content or whatever it is. And I totally feel you. You probably don't fit into the buckets of all those different things I just mentioned. You might relate to one of them. But when we look at someone's subscription, we might think that there's only one way to do it, right? That there's one way to have a subscription. And me and Amelia have always emphasized there's no one right way to have a subscription. But then that becomes confusing because it's like we're used to being told there's one right way to do thing in publishing. We're telling you, no, you can make your subscription work for you. But then we're kind of like leaving you out to figure that out. Like we'll give you a lot of ideas. We'll throw a lot of information at you. But like where do you start, right? Where do you actually start to even think about what and how I should approach this? So that's why we started coming up with this idea of personas. Um, and that maybe we could help jumpstart some of you on working through all the resources we have, which we have a lot. It's like, I think at this point, approaching 150 individual pieces of content that are out there online for free. Um, and there's also a lot to learn. And our biggest thing about subscriptions is that we want to help you get started the easy and fast and start to get your first paid subscribers in the door. And when you have to digest all of this to get there, it's not conducive to that. So personas is supposed to give you a, a faster track, but there's also another reason. So, um, and this is the big one. I put it in bold. Um, like I, I don't know if you're here, Christopher Hopper. I love you, Christopher Hopper. And I've told me, me and Christopher Hopper have talked about this before. Like people like look at someone like Christopher Hopper or even someone like me and Amelia, we're up on, we're up here talking to you and are like, oh my God, I feel like running a CUNY is being like them right? Um, I'm personally not a pearl, but like if you are a pearl um, or have characteristics of a pearl, um, a lot of times we feel like that's the only way to have a CUNY as an author and that they have to have a relationship with you. 
And it, and it's it's kind of standard what we think in the author community because the people who we see doing it are the people who are having these personal relationships with their readers. But it doesn't have to be like that. It can be if that's something you want. But I found that most authors don't want that. But what we found in the survey results was that when we initially started the survey, basically 70% of you um, were, were pearls of our beta testers. And we were like, this is a problem. This is a problem. Why is everyone getting pearl, right? But then we looked at the back end, right? The questions. And it, it, it was like, you all were ch choosing the responses that correlated to pearls because you felt like you had to. And then we realized we had to change the wording of our questions to be like super clear about like, what do you want? Like, forget what you think you should do. Forget what you are doing. What do you actually want to do? And then we immediately saw, it was amazing. The pearl rate decreased drastically. Like really, like it, it went from 70% to like 30%. And then I still looked at it and I was like, huh, there's some question. I'm sharing this with you because it's fascinating. There were some questions where it scaled from one to five, right? And the agreeableness. And there's like now a thousand of you have taken this. So we have like, I can tell you, this is pretty statistically significant at this point. Um, a lot of the questions that were specifically like the one that was focused on like running a reader group and running a reader community, um, social media, things like that, they would skew, they would skew to like four. Whereas a lot of questions were more evenly distributed between one and five, right? Um, and if we saw a lot of people at four, but very few people at five, it made us think, huh, it's like, they don't really like it, but there's some people who are jumping over because they feel like they have to. And that's why we tweaked it even more to kind of adjust for that. So it's interesting, right? But that like taught us was like, what me and Amelia had always felt, what a lot of us already know, that like we feel like we have to be pearls, which I, I'm using the word pearl to kind of be a proxy for like the people who are outgoing, the people who are everywhere, right? And we love our pearls. But there's so much bias in the community towards feeling like we have to be something we're not. And that's where we get to like the true core of this. There's three big questions we want you all to think about when starting your subscription. One is like, what do my readers want more of? And how will I reach them? This personality quiz actually does help a little bit with that. Um, it does. But the second one is what this is really focused on. What experience do I want to give my readers? And how do I want to market? The I question. Who are you? What's your persona? That's why we created this. And then... What promises are sustainable for me? Um, those are the three big questions in subscriptions. And we're going to revisit these other two questions once we get through really focusing on how do you find what experience you want. But we're going to revisit these two questions in the end. And then for folks who've come in, in the middle, um, I'm just giving this presentation. I'm going at like in 30 minutes or so. And then Amelia and Anna will be answering questions the rest of the time. So that's why there's a lot of me talking right now. It's because uh, you won't you won't get me pretty soon. So um Ultimately, this is the biggest thing that we believe. And it's something that I think we've been told in this industry, and I've felt this personally, is that there's really like one way to be successful as an author, like climb to the top of like ch this chart on this store, um, get, you know, X number of page reads, and that's what being successful is. And guess what? That's a version of success that is wonderful. And I I strive for it. I, I think it's not a bad thing to strive for that. But when that becomes the only version of success, I will say, I've talked to a lot of authors, Amelia as well, who make really good money, but are completely burnt out and, and not very happy. That sucks. That sucks. You have economic success, but not the other version of success. 
And then likewise, you know, because of the way that these charts are designed, right? There's only one bestseller in a category at a specific time, right? And subscriptions maybe don't have the same type of idea to it. But this idea that like, there's only one person at the top at every given moment. So if we define success as being at the top, all of a sudden we can't all be at the top at once. So we're going to feel like failures constantly. And I know personally, I've battled this feeling. So if you haven't battled it, don't worry about it. But I've felt that very, very strongly, like constantly this feeling of like, I'm not good enough. Right. And I want you to feel like you can be you and who you are is good enough. Right. So ultimately you're trying to redefine what success looks like to work for you rather than for society or for insert X. So that's why we did this persona to so try and get you thinking and reflecting about what you want, because so often in this industry and in our lives, we don't actually take the space to think about that. So I encourage you to actually think carefully about those questions and, and have fun with it. So to narrow it down to subscriptions, because that was a little bit philosophical, um, although I enjoy big picture. Um, I think there's three really important questions to think about when actually starting your subscription. One, how many hours a week do you spend on it ideally and on what specifically, right? Um, Another thing is like, what is your goal? Like, do you want to grow your following? Do you want to grow your paid member count? Um, how will you know if your subscription is working for you? Like, are it depends on your career stage. There's some authors in here who I know crush it. You probably wouldn't be very happy if you launched your subscription and had five paid subscribers. And that isn't to slight anyone who would launch a subscription and get five paid subscribers. That'd be a big deal. That's because we're all at different places with different goals. And that's okay. And everyone can be successful with what they're doing. But I think it's important to individualize that question. I think for me, what does success look like? And maybe it's a number goal. Maybe it's just a quality of life goal. But thinking about that, right? And now we get into actually like how to use your persona. And in the following five slides after this one, I'm going to break down each persona. Uh, I'm not going to review what's on the website. You all can go and look at the website and see what they are in the big overview. I want to dive into more practical, like here's some like really interesting things to think about if you are X. And the fun thing is that I think all of us have a little bit of these personas in us. So we'll probably, probably find something in it for a lot of us. Um, let, let me do the chat. I got this quiz. James is so cute. Okay. So I'm just catching up the chat briefly. Awesome. You guys are the best. Um, so uh, how do you use your persona, right? So the first thing I'll just say is like, there's limits to anything. Like, which is funny, like we created this. So you would think we'd want you to think it's perfect, but there's limits to it, right? So so hopefully it gives you a deeper understanding of yourself. But if like, you don't fully see yourself in these personas, don't worry. Some people have like been like, this is life-changing. Like this made me look at myself a whole different way. Like that makes me very happy. Um, but regardless, uh, it's a shared language that we now have to talk about in the CUNY about, you know, different types of authors exceeding inscriptions. And we could use this for collaborations right? Maybe you want to find fellow Moonstones or find fellow Garnets and work together because there could be synergies. Or likewise, like maybe the Pearl has something that the Obsidian really could use together. Um, and another thing too, is that these aren't like forever. Like you might evolve from a Pearl to a Moonstone to a, you know, to a, a Lapis, right? Um, and you also might have different pen names and different aspects of your career that you tend to be one more towards one of these personas or, or not. So that's just like some overall framing advice because ultimately me and Amelia give a lot of advice. A lot of the people in the group give a lot of advice and amazing advice. Like the authors in the group, y'all are amazing in the Facebook group. But sometimes you'll get advice from an author that you might look up to. 
or that is doing really well. And that is amazing. Like we are so grateful for that, but you always want to run it through your own filter of like, what is best for me? And your persona is a very easy thing to remember. Wait, I'm a lapis. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Or I, you get the idea. So now I'm going to talk about in no particular order, although I guess I ordered it, but I didn't want to like make anyone feel like I'm talking about one first because they're better. Um, I want to talk about some of the different personas and, and with that, want to share some advice really. So the one sentence version of what an obsidian is, is that your readers have a relationship with a fictionalized version of you. Ultimately, these personas, how I like to describe them is the relationship that you're having to readers because the initial inspiration for this was realizing that people think that you personally as an author have to have a personal relationship with your readers and that that's what subscriptions are about. And we're like, no, let's dispel that notion. In this case, you just have a relationship with a fictionalized version of you. Um, and the best example of this, like by a wide margin that I've found is Jack Steen. Jack Steen's subscription is amazing. I recommend you check it out. They, they are on Ream. Um, it's just amazing. I'm going to actually put their name in the chat so you can look it up. Um, and they are what I would say the prototypical obsidian. And honestly, I should give a huge shout out to uh, Jack Steen now um, because it was it was actually you, Jack Steen, and seeing your page months ago. I mean, this must have been six months ago when I first saw your page that a light bulb went up my mind. Like, wait, okay. If someone saw an like this is this isn't obsidian, but at the time I didn't think of it, uh, you know, that page as obsidian light. But I'm like, if someone knew that like Jack Steen was crushing it in subscriptions, but Jack Steen wasn't showing their face, was using a total pen name, was purposefully completely hiding their relation to it, and also had developed a whole story about themselves, about being an asylum ward nurse, and that. The, what they're offering in their subscription, this is this is how deep it goes. Their benefit in their subscription is interviews, interviews that they're doing, basically the the transcripts, the the bonus content of that with actual asylum patients, like in the asylum ward. Um, and the story goes deeper because, of course, you know that's confidential information. We have to keep all of the characters. You know, all of those names are changed. Jack Steen isn't obviously the actual name of the an asylum ward nurse. I mean, this is a story. Like we've created a story around Jack Steen and it's up to you to decide, you know, you can, there's mystery, there's intrigue, right? Ooh, that was good. And when I saw that, I'm like, this is incredible. Like if I was a reader and I read one of Jack Steen's books, get to the end of the book, started reading a chapter. And then I'm like, wait, this is Jack Steen's like about the author section. Like you're what you're an asylum ward nurse. What? And then you go like, literally it says like, I like, am like one of the last people that the criminally insane see before they go. And I get their confessions. I mean, it's so creative, right? So that an obsidian is someone who likes to do that, who would really want to create a whole persona around a character as the author. So I explained obsidians. That was a little bit more verbose than I wanted. But the big thing here is that you, as the author of the pathway to deeper story immersion, that word immersion is what I'm going to be talking about over and over again today, because immersion is what your readers want when they're reading. Um, a word that's commonly used is narrative transportation. Um, your readers want to be taken away to something else. Like you don't read fiction to be reminded of where you are at right now. Eventually, 
you'll get teleported back and there'll be a big lesson at the end or something like that. That can happen. But readers want to be taken in to your story, right? Your subscription, ideally what you're offering is very similar. It's an extension of your story. It's an extension of the immersion that you want your readers to experience. And obsidians often make themselves as the author, the fictionalized persona, the gateway to that immersion. So there's a few things that you could do here. Um, so virtual influencers, I'm going to start with that one, even though it's the last one, um, because it's probably confusing if, if you've read the slide while I'm talking. So we did a podcast with Authors E. Knight. Um, I'm sure, I, I think Anna could probably find it, drop it in the chat for me. I, I'm sorry, I do this all the time. I like get a resource live and I'm like, ah, oh, someone should link it. But um, Authors E. Knight, we did a whole thing on VTubers and what VTubers are. And I'm sharing this just to paint an idea, paint a picture is essentially a 3D animated character that is typically either going on a YouTube channel or on a Twitch stream. And that is the person, like the person as they're moving around and they're on video, it's not them. The 3D animated overlay becomes them. And you might be thinking, what is this? Like, what are the kids into nowadays? This is this is a huge niche of content. Like millions and millions of people watch this stuff. And it's really interesting because it's like people are building a parasocial relationship with a character that a real person's behind. Um, and you could do this by like making, again, social media profiles for your persona, like, and, and marketing yourself as if you're this, but you're really more of what we'll call a VTuber, a virtual influencer. This is really picking up steam. So it's a big, a, a mega trend in online content that this intersects with authors here. Um, I think, you know, obviously something like TikTok, I think is tougher for an Obsidian. Um, if you're, you know, going out at signings, I think that kind of blows your cover as an Obsidian um, to a certain extent, right? Because you're piercing that veal. You're now not a fictionalized character. You are you, are you um, which is okay, except that's not typically a pure Obsidian. Um, so that's why you're going to probably stay in places where you're never showing your face as an author, um, ever. Um, and that's why I use the example of the musician Marshmallow, who like when he goes out in public, um, typically like wears uh, a mask or there's a YouTuber dream, a big Minecraft YouTuber who did the same thing. So I share these examples in other media uh, to just to note that like this idea of like people being fans of this, a fictionalized in quotes persona um, is widespread. Why widespread? So that's Obsidian's. Pearls. Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm only laughing because I can't believe I'm about to say these two words, shy pearls. We're going to get to it, but, uh, let me first share what, like a, what a pearl is. Okay. So pearls are people who have a relationship basically directly with you. It's what we typically think about. This is pearls are the easiest to understand. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's the author who gets up and is like, this is what I you know, ate for breakfast. The stuff that we like most of us shudder about doing. We're like, oh God, I couldn't imagine that. Um, but like, you know, we see people doing that and we like feel scarred. Like that's the pearl. And we're like, we love you, Pearl. Like we need more pearls, but at the same time, like maybe we're not all a pearl. But for our pearls, because pearls are amazing. Life updates, behind the scenes, interacting personally with your readers. Um, I mean, the best example of a pearl is Christopher Hopper. I mean, he might take the quiz and get something else. Although I do think everyone that we've picked so far has kind of correlated pretty well. But regardless, Christopher Hopper is amazing, right? He's 
his readers like really like have like almost like a friendship with him and each other at this point. What a cool, cool thing. Um, as a pearl, that's a very interesting model. But you know, what's interesting is even after tweaking the quiz, because um, I had a hunch that like very few people were going to be pearls, because in reality, in the actual author CUNY, less than five percent of people are actually operating like a what we think of as a pearl, right? But still, even after our tweaks, even after we felt like we made the quiz kind of like accounting for specific biases and and really being more accurate, it's still about 20-ish percent Pearl, which is about what all of them are, 20-ish percent. It's actually pretty even. But I'm, I was like, at first, like, huh. And then actually, Terry, who um, you're here today, you, you inspired Shy Pearls because uh, I made this presentation like, you know, we won't say how recently, but it's come together pretty quickly. Um, so Terry, uh, when you were like in the Facebook group um, and there was a lot of people going like, oh, I got a pearl and like, I didn't think I would be, but I was interested in it. I, like, you know, it feels like it's me. And I was like reading these comments going like, interesting, like, okay, like word, like I'm glad it resonates with you, but I don't understand. But then Terry, you were like, you shared your story and how you realized that like, you're putting yourself into your stories. Your readers are building a relationship with you, but you're not doing it in a way in which you're putting your face out and you're on camera all the time and you're going to be on live videos. That's not you, but you're still putting you and yourself at the forefront of your brand and relationship with your readers. And I was like, oh my God, Terry, that's genius. Like, I didn't think about that while creating this at all. Um, like I, you taught me something. And then um, I, what's funny is I actually have a really good friend named Pearl. Um, and we were talking on Thursday and um, she, she's an author as well. Um, she's really fantastic. And um, we were, we were chatting and I was like, um, you know, it's funny. Cause like, I'm like talking to you. I'm like, my brain's been in like author personas world this week. So like your name has a totally different meaning. And like, yeah, this is weird. Uh, like, I guess I have to tell you about author personas, but then she was talking to me about how like, you know, she like came out of her shell and was like shy, like, you know, had a good social situation where she was like getting out in the world. And I'm like, oh, that's like so great. And I'm like, wait, shy pearl. That's it. That's a shy pearl. And I believe a few people in the Facebook group also mentioned shy pearl. And I'm like, that's it. Like we have shy pearls here. Um, so this is what I actually want to share about. Like, what do you do if you're a shy pearl? So uh, the pearls, shy pearls are pearls that don't like to put themselves out there, right? In a very forward way, but are still the center of their brands and books. Um, so with this type of pearl, a shy pearl, um, your why, your mission behind your stories really should shine through. Um, oh, I that's a typo. Whoops. Um, I <laughs> The best example uh, of this that I've I've seen in terms of like a why shining through in someone's books and someone's community, um, and I wouldn't necessarily consider him a shy pearl. Um, and I I wonder on the quiz if he got pearl or not. Um, but as I say this example, Brian Michael Hughes, um, awesome, awesome, fantastic author. His CUNY is really based around um, it's fiction, it's suspense fiction, but he's really focused on like the theme of anxiety and depression throughout all the stories. And his and his personal experience comes out in that. That's what his readers kind of coalesce around, right? Um, and, and that's an example, like that framework could work for a shy pearl, right? Because it maybe he he could be a forward pearl. I don't know what we're calling the other pearls. Um, but that's kind of one way to think about it. Um, and yeah, like shy pearls rock. And if you get a pearl and you're at first like, what the heck? Or you look at someone else who's like, 
saying they're a pearl or someone else who's like the center of their brand. And you think that you have to be on camera all the time or have to do live chats. Not necessarily. You could be a shy pearl and there's nothing wrong with that. I like that's a loving shy. Um, um, and I think a beautiful thing. So um, Garnett's is one of my favorite ones because I think everyone could take ideas from this. That's the idea by going through all of them. So Garnett's, um, it's the characters are the center of everything. The characters you create and your readers having a relationship with the character. Your readers might not necessarily even have a relationship with you or your pen name at all. That's not necessarily the focus of a Garnett. Your readers are like, I want more of the characters. That's why I'm here. Um, and the biggest thing that I've like seen be really like, this is it. It's when you're, you market your subscription, when you market everything you're doing, leading with your characters, because your characters are what's immersing them into the world. So when you as the author, if you're a Garnett and you as the author start talking to your readers, hey, come into my subscription. Hey, do this. You've just, they're not, they don't know. They don't, I mean, this is harsh, but like if you're a Garnett, they might not care about you in that way. That you're not going to be the thing that's interesting them. It's going to be your characters. And I know Amelia's done things like this where, She's been, has experimented with writing newsletters from the perspective of her characters and her character is the one talking to you. Like you open it up. It's not like, hi, my name is Amelia. How's your day going? Um, I hope things are well. It's like, hey, like I need help in the world of X and this is what's going on right now. Yeah. Oh, I guess I'll comment a little bit. It was actually really fun to do that. As you're, as you're explaining this, I'm like, oh yeah, this is uh um, I've done some stuff like this. And also we had, we used to have a discord where I had my characters basically kind of my readers would come in and they would ask to talk to a certain character. And that character would like say a line from the that book that they were part of. And it was very popular. Yeah. So just an idea. Yeah, no, no, no. It's Yeah. Social media profiles, right? Around your characters. I mean, your characters become the center of everything as a Garnet. And I think what's interesting about this whole persona um, concept is that um, you can see how a Garnet, like that idea can extend well beyond your subscription. Like that is how you immerse readers into your subscription, but that could be how you market everything you do is making that the center. And maybe that's more comfortable for you. That's the goal, that it's more comfortable and it's better for you and it, and it makes you happier. Next up, is I hate this word, uh, lapids. Like lapis like is such a pretty thing and I love lapis and it, it just made sense because it's like the gemstone of wisdom. That's why we picked it for our lapids. But lapids is like weird plurally. Uh, like if there's ever a lapids meet up in the world, like, I, I mean, like, you know, it'll be fun, but I'm sorry that I haven't come around to it fully yet. So um, your readers trust you for your expertise and special knowledge of a specific subject. And, and this is typically like a lot of nonfiction. Right. Um, and this is also why we oftentimes think like, man, okay, so we have the the forward pearls out there and then the the lapis that are out there. And like, where where do I fit in as someone who isn't in this spectrum? Because it, it always feels like CUNY's forward facing. Um, and I would say that like lap, lapis can get applied really well to fiction. Um, specifically, like um, think about something like survivalist prepper fiction. Um, erotic fiction specific, with specific kinks. Um, you could go into a lot of different subgenres where having like specialist knowledge and like readers come to these books to like partially learn and and to and to really expand their mind about certain things. You having that deep expertise can be your brand. It can be what you you're now sharing with your readers in your subscription more about 
survivalist or prepper content, more about specific maybe kinks, maybe more about horses. If you're someone like Natalie Keller Reinhardt, who has a whole world based on equestrian fiction. So, I mean, it can get extended to many different areas, but that's what makes um, a lapis special is their expertise in a specific domain and building their brand around that and being able to provide extra value, which is where like you can do things like mentorship, personalized advice, um, you know, giving readers an extra insight into your expertise is like higher price tiers. And I think as someone who's trusting the CUNY, you probably have a good eye for other people who are trusted in your CUNY. And if you can collaborate with them, that's a really great way to market what you're doing. And in terms of fireside chats, um, I don't want to dive too deep into the book club model right now um, because we did a, that was our October fireside chat. But I highly recommend if you're a lapis or if this sounds interesting to you, um, talking doing a book club model. And what's very interesting is literally last night, um, we uploaded a podcast with Laura Navar, amazing um, paranormal, um, spicy paranormal, why choose um, romance author. And um, in her subscription, she recently opened up a tier where she basically has a book club tier for her second tier where she's recommending and giving advice on other books that are spicy, why choose paranormal romance books, right? And it's because it's so specific and she has that expertise readers are willing to pay for it. Um, and then, yeah, she's doing a lot of amazing. I won't spoil the full podcast for you, but that's the relevant part here. And it's pretty cool. Lastly, we have Moonstones. We love Moonstones. Moonstones are awesome. The, your world's the center of what you're doing. And your readers are going to connect with your worlds. And there's a lot of overlap between Moonstones and Garnet. Um, some people are like very heavy Moonstone. Some people are very heavy Garnet. Some people feel like they can be a little bit of both. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that's beautiful. Um, I think the biggest thing here is, one, targeting similar fandoms, like similar worlds that exist. Because um, when you can when you can use language to bring readers into your world that is slightly familiar to them, um, that's going to get them really excited. And then once they're in your world, actually giving them a sense of agency. Um, you know, this is where you see things like fan fiction, fan art become very popular. And this is also true for Garnets too. Um, but this can be especially true for Moonstones. And um, being able to empower your readers to, you know, in the case of someone like Brandon Sanderson, uh, he has like, fan podcasts that exists and he supports these podcasts um you being able to empower fans to maybe be admins in your community uh to you know be an epic street team these are th this is where it could be really interesting to invite your fans into the process of building the world with you um which is where early access can come in and polls and voting so moonstones are awesome and obviously with all this these are different ideas you can all think about but with the time I have left, I want to bring it away from personas explicitly because all that's really fun and hopefully it's helped you nail a little bit more of ultimately, what do I want to do in my subscription? What is going to be fun for me? What is going to be useful for me? But now we have to talk about, so you're going to start doing it, right? That's the idea. Um, how do you find your subscription success? That's the key question. And the answer is that constantly testing to validate your hypothesis to those three questions. Now, I'm going to remind you of those three questions. 
we've mainly been talking about what do you want to do as an author, right? Your persona. But also the other part of the equation is what do your readers want to do? What are they interested in? Um, and ideally you can find pers reader persona, which I, that's not an official word, uh, but reader persona and then author persona overlap, right? Where like what your readers are looking for um, and the kind of ways that they're looking to engage with their fiction and their stories overlap with how you want to engage with them, right? That's beautiful, but that takes testing. Where do these fans exist? How do you reach them in a way that's comfortable for you? And then of course, the last part and really important part of the equation is like, what is sustainable for you? So in testing this, because you're never gonna get it right, and certainly not the first time, I want you to think smaller, think more efficient, and think about how you can create repeatable systems, repeatable findings to the long haul. So what you would do is you would take these three questions. My my readers are interested in X and they and you know I could find them through X. Um, I am interested in doing X and I want to share this with the world through X. Um, X is a variable in, the, in this case, to be clear, it's not what Twitter's turned into. Um, and then um, the last question, like I am able to put X time, money, resources into this project right now. And those are all gonna be like guesses. Hopefully the personas helps you make better guesses. Uh, and that's important and can help take the complicated, make it feel less overwhelming, give you a place to start but ultimately testing and seeing if it's really for you, if it's really working is key and then making tweaks, right? And the smaller you start just to see if it's working, the easier it is to make changes. So quickly on the sustainable question, because I, I don't want to overscore, uh, underscore something like this. Um, just don't be afraid to make changes. You don't have to figure out what's sustainable for you forever. You just have to figure out what you want to start with now. And that's the key. Then in terms of what your readers want, um, I can't tell you what your readers want. I wish I could. Uh, I mean, we're working on it. We try, we try and give a lot of advice. But I, I want to tell you something about like the feedback. Like Most readers do not want to comment on your posts. Most readers do not want to be your best friend, even if you're a, a forward pearl. Never mind if you're a shy pearl. Most readers are passive lurkers who enjoy your content. So the biggest mistake I see a lot of authors make is being like, oh, well, all my subscribers aren't commenting on my posts. Therefore, I guess they hate what I'm doing. No, no. 90% of people are not going to comment on your posts. And that's just human nature. That's 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 how they want to engage. And you have to think about yourself. Like, are you commenting on everything you enjoy online? Are you emailing everyone for every book you've read and every story you've read and going, oh my God, this is amazing. Give me more. You might do that every once in a while. I do it every once in a while. But to be frank, I am a lurker everywhere. I'm I'm mostly a lurker, and most people are too. Um, and then test your offers meticulously. Less is more. If you're offering your readers five different things, it's very hard to see what's working. So if you can be focused on, I want to see if they're interested in early access. Okay, good. Start with that. You don't need to do early access and bonus content and sign books and all this at once. Grow into it and see what your readers are responding to most because you might be surprised what actually gets them interested in your description. So takeaways here are, depending on your persona, you can have some very unique and exciting ways to market, um, which we tried to share some. And just a spoiler alert, all this isn't really a spoiler. We're going to be sharing a lot more about personas in the future. I mean, 
it's pretty clear that I think you all are interested in learning more about these types of things. We got feedback from a lot of you. So we're going to be developing more content in the new year focused on that. Um, ultimately, all of this though, is about developing a filter for what works for you. And you know, the biggest thing is we believe so strongly that there's no one right way to have a subscription, but there is a best way for you. And we want to help you achieve that. And that's part of having a filter and seeing hmm, what advice should I take? What advice should I, you know, do a 180 on and uh, morph and maybe what is actually completely speaking to me. And then the last thing is subscriptions are an iterative process. Many of you know why we pick gemstones. The primary reason we pick gemstones is because um, actually on Ream, the kind of award rankings that authors have right now, Diamond is the one live tier. If you have a thousand paid members on Ream, we send you um, a crystal book award. Um, so, uh, and that's, the diamond tier that you enter as an author. Um, so we took the the rare, the precious gemstones, and those are the tier awards that you can get um, as authors on the platform. We haven't even released all of them yet. Um, it, so there's, there's some tiers that will be coming out there. Um, but on the author persona side, we wanted to take the other gemstones um, that had meaning relevant and give them to you because you can imagine as a storyteller who rules the world, you have your crown or your tiara, or maybe both, and you can start to get your gemstones, collecting your gemstones. That was that was our idea. Every every ruler needs a crown, every ruler needs some pretty gemstones. So we wanted to give you those. Um, but also it has another important message about gemstones that's really important for this last point, which is that gemstones can are made over change, right? They're made by elements in the earth, molten lava, all these things. You know, you're gonna go undergo change, just like gemstones did to get to their current state. Um, and that's a good thing. So be open to change, be open to growing, um, and be open to the idea that you don't have to get everything right because not everything's about the perfect launch. It's about the long game of subscriptions. It's about iteration. And ultimately it's about finding what makes you, your readers happy and is sustainable for you. That's it from me. I'll hang around for the five minutes, um, but that's that's our presentation for the day. Um, the rest of the time, rest 45 minutes, we'll just be hanging out to ask any questions about subscriptions or personas. Obsidian Con would be wild, actually. Uh, that's like a really interesting idea, right? A bunch of authors in a place, but like we can't actually be what we, like we have to be fiction. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, Sounds like a Comic-Con. Yeah. Is that what it is? Obsidian Con. I love it. A bunch of readers can show up. No one, no one, the only rule is don't be your real self. Um, uh, thank you, Terry, for uh, inspiring uh inspiring part of this presentation and Elaine, uh, thank, thank you for the kind words. Um, definitely would love to hear, um, your questions about any, anything related to subscriptions, anything related to, I know a lot of you are thinking about joining the accelerator. Some of you are already in the accelerator for the next cohort, whatever you're thinking about, whatever's on your mind, we want to help you with. Um, and you have Amelia and Anna here to assist. Oh, Destiny, that's a great question. Um, 
yeah, I think we'd have to, we'd have to change the quiz a bit to like show that outcome. Um, and I wonder if I could go back, I, I can probably go back and do that for people, but they're past ones. So, um, I could, I can see about that. I can see about that. The answer is it's definitely possible. But it's a great idea. It's a great idea. I love it. You say a lot, a lot that less is more. That seems counterintuitive to describe. Yeah, um, I'll give an example. Uh, so the the most prominent one um, that there's mm, stuff because I, I I know a lot of stories behind what authors have done, but. I'll get an example that we were, we were talking last night on a podcast about um, because it was public. And then I encourage you, I encourage you to read Elena Johnson's post in her Facebook group, Indie Inspiration. I think it was like her nine, she has like been doing a series, like number nine in her series about subscriptions because um, her subscription has been a very iterative process. Elena has tons of amazing things to offer. Um, but didn't really see it growing until she focused on the one thing her readers wanted, which was to have a closer relationship into the world of Bryce and the, um, the uh, forgetting it, Coral Canyon, Coral Canyon, the world of Coral Canyon. That was what connected them, that early access to that series alone and emphasizing that. Everything else she was doing was like not getting people interested. It was just that one thing. Um, so that's, and, and it's fascinating. That was the funnel that got people in. That was the thing. So what, what's interesting, like why I say less is more is because when you're doing so much, you have no way of knowing like what is actually moving the needle because almost everything's 80-20, Pareto principle, right? And it's kind of silly when we have so much to do in our lives to be spending 80% 80, 80 of your time on the 20%. Like I'm kind of telling you, like, why don't you just spend 100% of your time on the 100% thing, like make it the 100% thing. Um, but to do that, you have to figure out like what your people want. Um, and it just doesn't make sense to complicate things with multiple variables. Like if you're running an experiment, if we're actually treating it like an iterative process, if you have bonus content, if you have art, if you have early access and you have your backlist in one tier and you don't see conversions, why? Or even worse, if you see conversions, why? Because the dangerous part is getting fans to subscribe to a tier and continuing to fulfill a bunch of different benefits that they don't want. They're really there for that one thing. And you're just wasting your time. You just won't know. That's why less is more in terms of like the actual volume, because less is more in terms of the amount of things that you're doing in terms of the volume. Do I do one bonus content or 10 pieces of bonus content a month? That has like, like, more is not a bad thing up to a certain point, right? But you really can't do more than you're capable of. And for 95% of people that we talk to, um, we have a lot of constraints in our lives, full-time jobs, kids, uh, other things we're doing in publishing besides subscriptions. So you don't have the option to just crank out 10 chapters a week, right? You are doing what you're able to do. And it's important to fit that into it. And just last night, talking to Lauren Navarre, KU author. She publishes about one-ish book a year. Uh, she offers one chapter of her book for early access in her subscription and releases about one chapter every 10-ish days, right? Okay, not too not too crazy. Now 25% of her income is from her subscription and her books are still going in KU. And that's all she's really offering at that $5 tier. So, 
And that's what's sustainable for her. Like if she could write more, I'm not saying it would be a bad thing, but she can't right now. I, kind of going off of that. So um, as some of you know, I have a comic subscription that I run. Um, and we are only able to produce one chapter every single month. Um, we can't do any more of that because we're working with the artist and he can't do any more of that. Um, so what we did is we saw that one chapter a month wasn't, it was doing well, but it wasn't doing as well as it could. So what we did is we split that chapter, those panels up into updating four times a month. So once every Friday, but they get much shorter bits of it. Um, so you, you could do something similar when you're writing, uh, maybe you maybe write longer chapters, you can split it up. You don't have to, maybe you can do like, um, here's my really rough copy. Here's my plans for this chapter. Here's the next week you can say, hey, this is a little bit the first bit that I wrote, or here are the characters that are going to be in the chapter and kind of expand as the month goes on. I'm going to let um, Amelia take Marie's question, which is an amazing one. I can see people pointing their finger up. I, I have a feeling I, I know what Amelia is going to say. One, one thing I'll just say, because I have to go right now, but one thing I do want to say on the uh, most enticing reward that you have seen, we get that question all the time and we can list some of the common ones. I know Amelia will, and there's one particularly very common one, but going back to personas, you know, you should not be compromising what you think you need to do for the market that if it's not going to work for you too, right? So just as long as you keep that in mind, Amelia will share her answer and both Amelia and Anna will take the rest of it from here. Y'all see me soon. Um, have a fun rest of your time here. Okay, cool. So um, for me, when I, I would answer the questions the same pretty much as Michael just did. Um, but if you are, I definitely look at your persona and see what you can and can't do and what you do want to do as well. If you don't want to do bonus scenes, I recommend not doing bonus scenes for your content. Um, but since you're brand new, what I would suggest um, is doing the early access model and building your fandom and your community as you write the story. That is the easiest and the cheapest and will take the less time because uh, less time is other things because you're already writing the book. Um, Anna, do you have any anything you want to add to that? Um, just that like, I really think it's important to not just look at what other people are doing that's successful, but like the entire theme of this, you know, is what works for you personally. Um, and I think that what works for me is very different than what works for a lot of people. Like I personally, my subscription is almost entirely um, world building and short stories and not like, like I do have a serialized um, work in progress but it seems like most of the messages I get, most of the engagement I get are around like character art and um, world building and behind the scenes things of my already published um, works. And that's that doesn't seem like that's a very common thing for most people. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, Amelia, like I'm not making thousands of dollars on my subscription, but I do have like a small, group of very engaged people and um yeah I think that because I'm not doing the same thing that everybody else is doing but I'm still making progress 
I think that that really shows that doing what works for you is so much better than just looking at somebody else and going, well, I can't do that. I can't succeed in this. Yeah. And if you start in one place, remember that you can always pivot. So if you start by offering early access and people keep requesting short stories, maybe you can test having short stories and you see, oh my gosh, like tons of people want these and they're all reading and commenting on them. So I can switch my model from early access to short stories. So don't be afraid to pivot. All right. Marie asks, um, what sorts of things have you seen some of the successful authors on Dream do to build their following and subscribers? Um, so there's a few things. I, again, it's going to depend heavily on what your model is. Um, I know for me personally, who somebody who does early access and that serialized content, I have cross-promoted with other early access authors who also release spicy romance um, books. And we've done a, a, like a joint giveaway. That's something that you can do on Instagram, but we brought it over to Ream and it, it worked out very well. Um, so that's one way that you can increase the number of followers and subscribers. Um, but that is for serialized content or, I, I mean, it could be for, other things that are not serialized content, but that's just one way that has worked for me specifically. Um, I know some people are promoting through newsletters or backs of books or through serial fiction platforms, but those are the, the big ones that we've seen at least. Um, gotten subscribers through Kickstarter. Um, I've gotten followers from in-person events. Um, so if any of those, you know, bigger ways aren't working, like thinking outside the box never hurts. Yes. And then a couple more questions she has. Was it a certain average price range that they use for their tiers? Did they run paid ads to their main page? Um, was what was the most enticing tier reward that you have noticed most successful Ream authors offer? Um, I don't, I wouldn't say that there's an average price range. I know a lot of people start at five dollars, and I think you shouldn't start at anything less, but that's my personal preference. Um, but honestly, tiers range a lot. Kay Webster has really high tiers, um, some people have lower tiers, like five, 10, $25. Um, so tiers, tier price ranges a lot. I, especially for starting, would not recommend paid ads. Um, I would wait on that. And then most enticing tier reward. What has it been for you, Anna? Have you seen any that you were like, I need this? Sure, yeah, I, cause I think, um... I, I did make the mistake of offering too much um, at first, and I have kind of scaled back, um, which my followers and subscribers have been very supportive about, so um, don't be afraid to scale back. But um, at this point, I think that um, the like sneak peeks into my world are very popular. Like I get messages um, and engagement on like, like I said, like character art, um, I posted, a picture of this like chaos beast that I had an artist draw for me recently and got like a lot of likes on that. Um, 
So yeah, I think for me, it's world building, but I'm a fantasy author too. So take that, you know, with a grain of salt, like fantasy readers love lore and they love to be immersed in like the world. So that's probably different for um, various genres. Yeah, I, I agree. I think artwork does, I mean, at least for me in, in romance too, whenever I see cute or spicy artwork, I'm like, I need that. <laughs> so that's why it's going, um, to depend on genre as well. I know I keep saying that it depends, but it, it, it does depend on a few different factors when you're thinking about subscriptions and what you're offering and what your genre is as well. Okay. I'm just reading through these. I love that, Terry. Um, I also have that same mentality. This is going to be like a huge success every time I put out a new book um, on a retailer. But yeah. Um, oh, to answer the question, how to how am I managing artwork and staying affordable? Um, I repurpose all of my art for Kickstarter campaigns. And um, so that's where I tend to make more of that money back is by making them into prints and selling them on Kickstarter. Um, Anne says, I want to run a prize draw for my readers that is related to my second book in my fiction series where I will send a, the participants a prize. Would I set up set it up through one of the tiers or can I set up a ticket purchase access on my community page? Um, you could have it part of your tier. Is it, sorry, I'm just reading the comments as people put them in. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it's a giveaway, it might be if you're giving it to to everybody in that tier. Um, it should be. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Terry. Um, it should be fine if everybody in that tier is getting um the item. Um, but if only one person is getting the item and you have them pay for that ticket, um, or like an entry it might not be legal. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, so we might have to check with Michael on that one. Do you know any more about that, Anna? I do not. Um, that's nothing that I've ever done. I've seen people do giveaways where like you sign up for like to follow like the person on like Instagram, Facebook, you could do that with Reem as well. I don't know about doing okay. it via paid subscription though. That seems iffy. Yeah. yeah, you can definitely do it with following though. Um, I believe. Um, okay. Katie, what is the most enjoyable to you uh, to the item that you offer to your subscribers? um I don't know which what would I would it be art for you Anna 
I love writing short fiction. Um, so that's why I do a lot of that. Like I have flash fiction and short stories. And I think that not only is it enjoyable, but it like helps me hone my writing. Like I'm working on one right now that I'm going to have to write in third person omniscient because all of the characters die <laughs> before the twist. <laughs> you won't know the twist if like, like I'll have to give away the twist before somebody dies if I don't do it that way. And I've never written in third person omniscient. So I'm like really excited to like, this is going to really yeah. help my writing. Um, so yeah, I think for me, that's the main reason that I offer short fiction on my subscription is because I love to write it and it's so unmarketable anywhere else. Yeah. I think for me, it would just be writing the stories that I'm writing. <laughs> Um, kind of going back to your other question, um, Katie, about art. I, when I first started, I was just commissioning art to commission it. Um, but like Anna, I'm now reusing that art and repurposing it for other, other places. So, um, once it's out on my subscription, I put it in any, anywhere else that it's, it could be. Um, so that could be like you're selling prints on an online store, or maybe you put that artwork on merch, or maybe you put it in your newsletter. There's so much that you can do um, with that specific artwork. Um, thank you, Elaine. I hope you enjoyed. People don't care about the repurposing as they paid for the membership to see it. Um, so what I market it as is first looks is what I call it. It's first looks art. So it's almost essentially early access. Um, and they know because it says first looks that it's just exclusive to the green page. Yeah. So you can do it like that. Um, what I've done also is I wait a few months before I put it anywhere else. And I actually pulled my, um, my subscribers and I was like, hey, I have all these extra art prints that are just sitting at my house, not doing anything. Would you guys be okay if I put them elsewhere, if I, if I sold them elsewhere? And most people, I think everyone said that they would be fine if I did that. So, um, yeah. Yes, you can, you can have them on your like direct store, direct page, if you don't do Kickstarter. Do you guys have any other questions? You find people like to Zoom together. Uh, <laughs> I think it depends on your, uh, like, do you mean readers or authors uh, for that? I know some of my readers, yeah, some of my readers enjoy going on Zoom together. Um, but whenever they do that, I have to host it. And whenever I host it, I, I dread doing it. So <laughs> I also think it depends a lot on how you've created your community so far. So if you created it as if um, you're like, like going back to the personas, like you're a pearl and you've 
curated your community and fostered it in a way that pearls would and all your readers are really comfortable and want to chat with each other I think it could work really well um but if that's not you and going in front of people drains you and you being the leader is like you're just dreading it I would say you can have a reader host it and you pop in um because some readers do enjoy it but I think it, it's going to depend a little bit on how, how you fostered that community so far and what you want to do too. I've tried to do the Zoom thing and nobody showed up most of the time. I got like one person each time and it was a different person. So it wasn't oh, like it was yeah. one person like constantly being like, hey, but um, yeah, I stopped doing it because it got awkward. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually going to stop mine next year because I, every time I do them, I'm like, I hate doing this so much. But some of the readers are recurring and they like like talking to each other. And I'm like, dang it, I feel bad. But right. so I'm a pearl and like people, but sometimes people are shy about sharing. They read Spice. Yes. Um, Something you can do is like, I've never personally done this before. If you're worried about something like that, is have it more audio-based. I know when I used to do Discord a lot, people on Discord can basically have their own like profile for each specific um, group that they're in. And when they do that, they can like, I don't know if they can change their profile picture or something, but they can have like a screen name that you don't, um, you don't know who who it is so they can be in there kind of like anonymously talking about smuts um, and you can kind of have like a audio channel where people can just chat with each other um, for your higher tiers with physical items do you have a minimum month to belong to and uh, to belong to I guess that tier um or like once or once a year or something um and I said three months I also have three months for my my bigger stuff like my book box is also as a pearl I like being social but being consistent with posting and content I fall off um is where or is there a pearl hack for that? I don't know. Do you know if there's a pearl hack? I'm sure Michael would would know, <laughs> but I'm not a pearl, so I haven't um come across that yet. But I will probably we'll have to get Michael in on that um to see if there is something. Oh yeah, you you could schedule it out um as well. If you want to do like community post scheduling. Um, Ariel says content calendars. Yes, do them in bulk and then schedule them all out. That sounds like a good idea. You could probably do that on social media too um, for some stuff. Um, can I set up monthly tiers and annual tiers on the same author page? Um, if you're on Ream, 
I we do not have annual tiers yet, um, but when we do, you sh should be able to have them set up on the same same page. So how I I would like it to happen is you can set like a monthly tier price, so $5 a month, or there can be like a, a little button at the bottom that says, or if you want to pay annually, this is how much it is annually. Um, so, um, is there a video walkthrough for the scheduling and uh, with all the wording for the Beam app? I was slightly confused by some language for it. I'm, I think Michael has a whole video. If you're talking about the scheduler inside the e-reader, I think Michael has a whole video on that. I think it's like 45 minutes long that he took. He does have a video on the scheduler. I don't know where to find it. I'm going to try and find it. Um, it might be on talk, but. Oh yeah. I don't Is know. Talk.ream.com. Is that right? I, I have no idea. Maybe. I'm going to find it. Um, mute myself and just. Yes. It, if she finds it, she'll drop it in the chat. If not, I'll make Michael <laughs> send it out um, again because it, it is somewhere. Um, so he did take a whole video on how to schedule specific chapters out. But for the community post, all you have to do, there's three. You click create a community post. At the bottom of that post, there's like three vertical dots. Click that and you can easily schedule out one community post by like date and time. Um, oh, it's on YouTube. YouTube keeps suggesting it to me. That might be a place to try to find it, Anna. Um, Just reading the comments to make sure I'm not missing any questions. Um, advice for making better book cover placeholders for reading. So I use Canva um, and Canva has the ability to, um, they have templates right now, I believe. Um, and so what I've done when I need to like make a, a makeshift cover before my cover artist gets me the, what I'm going to use is I'll go in there. I will take a stock image that I like purchased from deposit photos and I'll like put it in the templates uh, and kind of format it that way. Usually the, the, some of the templates are really good. <laughs> some of them are not really that good, but the book cover templates, there's a good range of them um, for all different genres. And there is a possibility that, that, that it'll, there will be one for your genre and it will be decent. Um, so that's what I use. Marie says, can you explain your tier with your custom story for your highest tier? Um, do you give the subscriber only one story as a one and done thing, or do you give them a story a month while they are subscribed? So I have in my highest tier, the ability for my readers to request a one shot. 
Um, and a one shot is a thousand words and they can't really give me anything specific. What I basically say is like, give me some tropes you want to see. Give me some, um, maybe like character types you want to see. And I will mash that up into a, like a, a short for you or like a one shot. And I then write it and release it to everyone on my subscription. So it's not just them. Um, the story gets released to everyone on the subscription and they get to basically read it. Um, and I only have that as kind of right now, it's like a one-time thing. So they join that tier um, and they only get one short story that I write for them. I hope that answered that. Um, Katie, do you have people come over to read from Wattpad? I do. Um, I have that funnel. So at the end of my chapters that I'm releasing on Wattpad, I say, hey, come over to Reem and you can read chapters ahead. Um, Sarah says, cyberpunk romance is such a challenge to find assets for, um, but I'll give it a shot. I have a lot of credits on deposit photos. I, yeah, cyberpunk is gonna be a little bit difficult. Uh, I, I would love to read your story once it comes out because I've been waiting for some cyberpunk romance. Um, so send it over to me. <laughs> um, are they Wattpad not as strict as Dream? Um, I yeah, for, I haven't had trouble with bringing people over to Wat or from Wattpad. I literally have my link in my bio to to my Dream, and um, people can. I'll just drop the link at the end of the story too. Um, and I haven't found that they are restrictive at all. But I know like Dream and some other companies, they probably like censor the words um, because they want people to stay on their platform. But Wattpad, I haven't had trouble with. Um, Marie says, thanks for answering. So basically the person gets one story and that's it. Yes. Um, but they can still sub stay subscribed indefinitely if they want, um, but they won't get any more one shots. Yeah, pretty much. I have that tier limited too. So only a few people can actually be in my highest tier. So if they were to come to me like once every couple of months and they're like, hey, I, I found this new one shot that, or I have a, a thought for a new one shot that I'd like to see, I'd, I'd probably give it to them if they'd stay there for, for a while. But other than that, it's usually just a one and, one and done thing. And they don't ask usually. A lot of the times for the few people that have been in that tier, I've had to like directly go to them and ask them multiple times if they want a one shot to be to be written. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and Anna dropped that link in the chat. So thank you. Um, you can find Michael probably um, I think he goes through everything on that for scheduling. When you do world building share, do you ever worry that somebody would copy? Um, Anna, I'm going to let you take this one because you do a lot of world building. No, I'm not worried about that. Um, I figure if somebody does base their work on my work, um, 
it's still going to be different because it's going to be their version of it. Um, and I also just, I don't want to spend all of my time worrying about things like that. Like, I also don't worry about like when I post free stories for followers, I don't worry that they're going to get pirated. Like it's possible that it'll happen, like that somebody would copy it or pirate something or whatever, but it's just, it's not worth it to me to spend a lot of time and focus on that worry, if that makes sense. Um, what kind of world building shares do you do? I do a lot. Yeah. So I do, um, I'll post like, um, like my, the current series that I'm writing um, has, it's all about like um, this cryptid war. And so I have all these different kinds of cryptids that um, that I'm inventing. And then a lot of them are also based on like cryptids that you would know from like our world, like Bigfoots. And I consider vampires cryptids and things like that. And so I'll write like a full like fact page essentially about like the Bigfoots in my world. Or I have these like, they're called salish shifters and they're like fire elementals. They're like salamander shifters. Um, so I wrote one about them. I write one about vampires. I've written one about, um, you know, all the different cryptids. That's one thing that I do. I have like secret societies in my world. So I'll write about the secret societies. I'll also do like research on real life secret societies. Like I have um, the Illuminati is part of my world. And so I I did a post about like what the Illuminati are like in the real life, which I was really surprised. They're actually not very old. Like I thought they were super old, but they're like, they've been around since like the 18th century or something ridiculous like that. So I don't know how they're so prominent. Um, sorry, now I'm getting into um, info dumping. <laughs> but, so yeah, I I have like, lots of different things that I do. I also do like um, deleted scenes. So I'll do like, um, if a scene got cut from a book that I think that my like bigger fans would really like, then I, I'll post that in there. Um, I post about like my magic system, things like that. Um, is that helpful? I thought it was helpful. That that's a lot of stuff. I like it. That's a lot of ideas that people can use to uh in their subscription. All right. Marie says, any suggestions for physical rewards that you have found to be the most enticing for readers to want to subscribe to get or in that tier? Um I know special editions are pretty popular for some author subscriptions. Um, if you're a romance author, spicy romance author, I know not safe for work art, um, has been huge. Um, and then also, at least in the romance community, people like stickers. Um, I know stickers are relatively cheap to print, um, and you can get a lot of them and people just love them. Okay. So KL says, because my books are all character driven, I've been trying to think of a way to incorporate that into Ream, wondering if a character based tier would work. Um, like character profiles, character interviews, um, was thinking about a tier where a specific character is in charge of that tier. Oh, that sounds very interesting. 
Um, it's kind of sounds like if you were doing like your subscription around the world, having each tier labeled as a house, um, I think you would have to figure out what what you would what that character would offer in that specific tier, and what if your readers like multiple characters? It might, yeah. But it sounds really interesting. Yeah, I really like that idea, actually. Something that might work for you because your your books are so character driven is kind of doing that. Your characters pop in um, in the comment section of your books or your um, community posts and respond to people. Yes, yeah. Um, Katie says, Juliet and Banks has a whole Facebook account for one of her guys from a book and she's getting a lot of good feedback on it. So you can definitely test something like that too. And if people really, really enjoy that, then you can think about, hey, maybe I can make a whole tier um, on my account that is just this guy or this one of this character um, leading the tier and everything in that tier that I release is from basically it you would frame it as if he were the one talking to those readers right we have about five-ish minutes left um do we have any last questions Alexa asks, has anyone experimented with releasing fanfic of their own work? Um, I personally haven't. I've had um, like facilitated other readers creating fanfic um, of my work but I haven't done that myself. And I've thought about like having a um, fanfic, like social media account, um, but that never happened. Um, but I'm not sure. Have you heard of anyone, Anna, doing something like that? No, I've heard of authors running fanfic contests um, mm -hmm. or art contests I was actually next to someone at um Rose City Comic Con a couple months ago who ran a fan art contest um so it was people drawing his characters and then he had postcards of the winner's art for sale at the con I'm not sure how that works as far as like if he gives them a cut of those sales or you would need to make sure that that was like very clear up front but I've also heard authors talk about the like dangers of reading fanfic of your work as well so I don't know if that's like a consideration too if you wanted to do a contest and maybe have your readers vote on it but not read it yourself and just very specifically say like I'm not going to read this myself because the danger of that is that if you 
have this fanfic and then you end up using one of the ideas even if it's completely inadvertent like that can be an issue as far as like trademark cop not trademark but copyright um or even just somebody getting upset about it so you would want to make sure that your rules were very very clear as far as what you personally are doing with it and what the parameters of that contest of what um like if you were profiting off of it or anything like that but i think if you if you ran the contest and you made it free for everybody to be in it and to read it like you just did it for your followers then there wouldn't be any issues of like compensation because you weren't making money off of the the content it's it's tricky but it's it's a cool idea I think we have time for one more question or if nobody else has a question, we can um, wrap it up um, and let you guys enjoy your Friday night. Not that you're not enjoying it here with me and Anna, but. <laughs> yeah, of course. I hope you guys um, got some out of it. And we were able to answer all of your questions. Yay.